Beyond FM. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. The 314. St. Louis. Beyond FM. The best of everything STL. They said it was just a good story. One that would soon come to an end. They expected us to be satisfied with how far we've come. We're not satisfied. We're here to prove that the past is merely a point of reference and not a predictor of the future. Our team is relentless. We've overcome adversity. We've delivered at the most crucial times. Do you think we have their attention now? You think they can hear us? It's bigger than us. It's about our city. All of us, together, pushing towards the same goal. This is about our dream. About chasing immortality. A collective idea. A singular goal. Do you want it? Do you want to be a part of the greatest time in our history? Together, we're going to dig deep and give everything we have because this, this is all we know. Our eyes are on the ultimate goal. This is about writing a story that will be told for generations to come. And they think we're at the end. Hey, buddy, we're still here. Parental discretion is strongly advised. It's sports and local music wrapped up into one. It's Hat Tricks with Patrick on Beyond FM. Regulators, mount up!
fivefold with Step Back on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. Before that, I believe uh, we played Dubflow, Snakes, and Sparklers. And on the phone with us uh, is Doug's going to get his headphones because, you know, we're on the phone and doing a phone interview like that. So we got to be prepared and bring our headphones in. We got Tommy Crane from Gorilla Theory. What's happening, Tommy? What's up, boss? How you doing, brother? Pretty good, man. How you been, man? Dude, I've been great, dude. I've been very busy, possibly the busiest month of my entire life. Dude, we love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Or gosh, gosh, we don't, you don't bring God into this. I'll just say gosh. <laughs> yeah. We'll let it slide this time, Tommy. Don't worry. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so talk to us, man. What's going on? You busiest month of your life, man. I mean, you're getting ready for this show. Is It is May the 2nd, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, no, it is Tuesday, May the 2nd. Grill of Theory will be opening up for Eddie. Uh, with our With our good friends, Midwest Avengers. And three one four, so that'll be an epic lineup. Oh, that's gonna yeah, it's gonna blow the roof off a of, off a of red flag down off. Yeah, Locus, red flag, man. baby. Man, yeah, actually, how, how I have yet to play that? the. Sorry, oh. go ahead. No, I, we Gorilla Theory has yet to play the red flag stage. This will be our red flag debut. Oh man, I we love Robert over there. We played a bunch of shows at Foo Bar, but we never played red flag. So we are totally pumped to make the debut. Night, this coming week, eight days away. Eight days away. We appreciate you squeezing us in to be able to be on this show uh, tonight because we know you're a busy man and you got a busy <laughs> schedule coming up and whatnot. We talked about it. You know, you got a lot going on. Man, how did you get that lineup together? I mean, Tree One Four, Midwest Avengers, and at Red Flag, and your headliner oh. with or your, the headliner being Head BE. I'll tell you exactly how we got it and and how much hard work we had to do to get it. None. Robert <laughs> from <laughs> We just had to we just had to make some great music, some catchy tunes. And uh Robert, our good friend over there at the Red Flag, he gave us the opportunity. So shout out to Robert and we appreciate you and all that you do for the St. Louis community and local music. So we love him and uh he put it all together. I couldn't have picked a better list of bands though so i wish i would have i wish i could take any credit but we were just asked and blessed enough to play the show so dude that's so awesome that and you know shout out to robert over there at like you said over at red flag and that is you want to talk about a lineup man head pe was probably like low-key one of my favorite band like i caught him late when i was like probably in like high school college around, around that time but yeah. they are good. They are awesome. And I'm I'll a tell you a huge short fan story. of for and you guys. So, yeah, hit me with Dude, it. Dude, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I actually, when I was in fifth grade, I had an older sister that was six years older than me, and she went out with this dude, and uh, he talked my mom into letting me go to a concert with him at Mississippi Nights. Now, it's 1999 in this story, and I was blessed enough to watch a band called Apex Theory first, and then the second band was called uh, Hybrid Theory. And then the headliner was Lincoln. Or I'm sorry. The headliner was Ed P.E. Um, oh. And then one year later, uh, to the month, uh, in that year, uh, Hybrid Theory dropped. And they changed their name to Lincoln Park. And the same exact tour came back to St. Louis. But it went to the family arena. And when I was in sixth grade, I got to watch 
again, Apex Theory Open, and then Head PE played second, and then Lincoln Park headlines. It's a family arena, and little sixth-grade Tommy's life was changed. And he saved his lunch money and bought a drum set, and now we're playing with him at uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Red Flag. So, like, that's just it's full circle, man. That's how life goes, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I got nothing but love for Head PE, man. So, Dude, that's so dope. That is so dope. Yeah. It's a true story. <laughs> so. And you know, it's funny too. Six, so sixth grade Tommy, right? I believe yeah, sixth that was, grade Tom. I think that was like, uh, around the same time as fourth grade me showing up at Mississippi nights to see in the urge live very first Holy concert. Shit. And I was in the, Man. I was in the fourth grade. That's shit, amazing. Dude. Shit, you know, <laughs> Oh, and you know what? I was actually kind of late to that party. I knew who the urge was and like, I got into them around like 2001, but all I heard from so many people is, oh, you missed out, man. Like, they used to do these epic Thanksgiving shows, these holiday parties. And I heard that uh, the urge just absolutely destroyed Mississippi Nights in the best way, like, over and over and over again. I missed all of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they I never had a bad sh- They, As far as I know, they've never had a bad show for their holiday shows at Mississippi Nights. And they continued it on at the pageant, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to that, like, uh, they did, like, a tribute to Mississippi Nights. The Urge played a, a pageant show where they, like, kind of rebuilt the stage. Like, they re- re- recreated the Mississippi Nights stage with, like, the low ceiling and all that. Really? Um, I, went that? To, I went to, yeah, they did that eh, probably five years ago now. Huh. But, um, yeah, the Urge did, like, a, like, kind of a tribute show to Mississippi Nights. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, their anniversary or what, but. Yeah, I went to that. I've seen a there's probably twenty times since then. I watched him in Chicago, Kansas City. I've seen him at the pageant a bunch of times, and I'm blessed enough to live in a world where John Pizzoni just kind of frequents open mics. And you know, there's this one moment in my life I'll never forget where I'm at a bar in St. Charles, Missouri, called Night Shift. And on Sunday nights, shout out to Nancy Koch, by the way, she runs that mother. She runs the she runs the night shifts. I mean, and uh, so. I go to this open jam, and who is playing drums that night? John Pizzoni. So it's open jam, so they're going to let me play. I don't play anything else, so they're going to only play drums. And John gets on bass, and there's this moment in my life where we're playing this song, and John Pizzoni, like one of my idols, one of my favorite drummers in the world, possibly the best drummer in St. Louis, he puts his leg up on the bass drum, his bass drum, might I add, that I'm playing, and he's, like, just rocking out with me on the bass. And it's, like, this moment where I'm, like, this is, like, one of my biggest idols, one of the people that inspire me the most. And I'm playing drums while he plays bass at this little bar, corner bar in St. Charles where I grew up my whole life. It's just, like, uh, that might not be, like, that special to some people, but God, it's got to be like one of the highlights of my life. Just that one moment. So I mean, it's special to you, man. So it definitely matters. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, John. He's a, shout out to him if he's listening. He is a great person, super nice, and a very talented, amazing musician. So uh, he's in a he's in a, a local band that goes around um, the John Hughes Experience. If anybody's listening that's never heard the John Hughes Experience, they play all '80s tunes. And it is the classiest, catchiest. They all wear suits no matter how hot it is out. 
and they will just blow your mind. So it sounds like, a, it sounds like a good night over at Diamond for sure. Dude, they are so good. I don't know if they play there, but they play a lot at Salvatore's in St. Charles, and I've seen them at the Boathouse out in St. Charles. But, yeah, you know, they just crush it. So if you ever get a chance, there's a couple members from El Monstero in there. And, man, uh, yeah, their special effects director plays drums for that band, Jeff Bradley. He's a great guy. So, yeah, you get a chance. Go see the John Hughes experience. That's a, sh- that's a show right there that I've been wanting to experience, like an El Monstero show. I've heard so many things about it. My, you know, my sister's seen it probably at least a half. half she's seen them at least, like, 15, 20 different times. Every single time they come through St. Louis, and I'm just like, oh, I want to go see it, and I never get the chance to. Dude, you got to go watch it. So uh, nobody knows this, Uh, so we'll just drop it on this podcast right now. Um, I don't know if he's going to join the band permanently, but he's definitely in our band right now, and he will definitely be there on Tuesday, May 2nd, with Head PE at Red Flag. We have a saxophone player. He plays lead saxophone for El Monstero. He's also the lead singer of a band called, oh, man, now that we're on the podcast. Oh, my God. Why, oh, oh, my gosh. Why can't I think of it now? This is how it goes in life, you know. <laughs> Super jam. Dave Farver. David Farver. He is a saxophone playing son of a bee, and he is also the lead singer for Super Jam, who is another amazing cover band that plays around St. Louis and St. Charles. And uh, he will be joining us on saxophone and a little bit of vocals for the these next shows we got coming up. So if you caught us last week at the Battle Hawks pre-party, you saw him on a saxophone with us. And if you see us in the near future, you will definitely see this guy killing his saxophone. He's unbelievable. Dude talk, to to us, dude, talk to us about that Battle Hawk pre-party, man. How'd that go? Well, I'll tell you how it went. We thought we weren't going to get to play because even though there was no rain in the forecast, it came. All right, and uh, it rained for an hour straight. We start. We were supposed to play at eleven. We we're supposed to play eleven to one. It rained until almost noon. The guy was freaking out because all his, I mean, shit, I would be too. All his speakers are getting wet. They're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and like amazing equipment just getting soaked in the rain. So we're trying to help him cover it with tarps and trash bags, you know. And I felt, I really felt for the guy. But luckily, around noon, sun came out, a little cloudy, but uh, we got to play our set. We were supposed to play from 11 to 1. We ended up playing from noon to 2. Um, but after that, man, I mean, the rain didn't keep the pre-party from happening, you know. Like, dude, there are so many people, like, just a sea of tents out there tailgating and having a good time getting ready for the Battle Hawks to actually lose, which was sad. <laughs> but you know what? You know, they put the stage in such an amazing place where, like, people that are walking into the game from outside the fence, inside the fence, they could hear us, they could come check us out. So, you know, it, we got some pretty awesome pictures with, like, a ton of people out there watching. But um, just being able to just, I don't know, connect with so many different people and all the people walking by just stopping. And, you know, what's crazy is we had a merch booth set up, and we almost sold no merch, but people were just walking up offering to donate money to like keep our band going so like if the when we were done playing i asked my girlfriend shout out to tori she was running merch that day what did we sell she said almost nothing but here's 80 bucks that's all <laughs> like, hey at least you made like, you know 80 bucks that's pretty damn good 
it's just crazy how like the world works. It's like, oh, you want to buy this T-shirt? Nah, but we want to keep this band going. Where are they playing next? That was that was the common question. Where are these guys at next? We got to get into this Battle Hawks game. Here's some cash. We'll see you next time. That, <laughs> Which is uh, awesome. good enough for me. Yeah, yeah that's, no, that, there are some good people out in this world for sure. That's awesome. Absolutely. So you said uh, you got some more shows coming up. You texted when we were talking earlier today. You were saying not only you got the uh, the show on the second on May on May second, but this coming weekend you're playing Grateful Fest three. Yeah, so this coming weekend uh, we're going out to Donovan, Missouri. It's about three hours from St. Louis. Damn, um, tickets are still on sale right now. There's plenty left. Uh, two nights at Aaron Cam, three one four doing a tribute to Sublime. And you got Gorilla Theory playing a couple hours set uh, after Aaron Cam on Friday night, this Friday night to be exact. So go go to Grateful Fest. You can go to eventbrite.com and get your tickets. It'll be Grateful Fest 3. Amazing lineup. Awesome. Most of the bands are from the St. Louis area. And uh, I would kind of say it's like a who's who. Colt Ball is going to be out there if you know him. If you don't know him, go check him out. Like I said, Aaron Cam, true one for us. I think it's what are they called the Chinese Dub Embassy. It's another awesome reggae band that comes from around here. Yeah, man, we were super pumped to play that festival. Grateful Fest. Go get your tickets now at eventbrite.com. And you said that's over yeah, that's, in Dofam, Missouri? Yeah, Don, Donovan? Don, oh, Donovan. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the best, uh, I'm not a great reader, but I think it's Donovan, Missouri. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, a, never claimed to be a speller, but. Uh, yeah, dude. Oh, just go look it up. Grateful Fest 3. You look it up on Facebook, you probably Google it. I'm sure. You can go to eventbrite.com. Tickets are very reasonably priced. I believe it's 75 if you're trying to stay the whole weekend, or it's like 50 if you're coming down on Friday. So, not going to break the bank. The camping festival, you can hang out, whatever. Kids under 12 are free. So, like, that's always cool when they do that. You can bring your dog or your animal as long as they're on a leash. And so yeah, yeah I mean, go. we're going to party. Ah, funny, Doug. Uh, I had to look it up. It is. Do- it looks like it's Donovan. Uh, you think you were right the first time. And that, yeah, two hours and 58 minutes. It's down near Popper Bluff, if anybody's wondering. That's a good drive. It's going to be a good show. That sounds like an awesome lineup, man. Oh, dude, the best lineup. I couldn't be more excited about the lineup. People just doing a bunch of dabs in the woods. What, what more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Hey, uh, you down to take a break and play some, uh, let's play a uh, mouth out. You, you good with that? Yeah. Mouth out, dude. I love that song. And also, you know, uh, I announced on Facebook today that we have an announcement coming on Friday and, uh, we'll just break the news. We're going to, we got, we just recorded three new songs. We recorded a music video last month at a show. We had at old rock house. And we can't wait to release these new tracks to you. We're going to release one in late May. And uh, we're just going to keep going from there. We got a ton of music coming out. So oh, stay tuned. We got to come back. We're going to come back from break. We're going to talk about that. Does it sound good? That sounds good to me, man. All right. We'll be right back. Here's right. Mouth Out by Gorilla Theory on Beyond FM.
It's Gorilla Theory with Mouth Out on Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. Uh, plug in the show for this coming Tuesday at Red Flag. It's Head PE with the headlining, also Midwest Avengers, Tree 14, and our guest at this time, Tommy Crane in Gorilla Theory. Tommy. Gorilla Theory! Damn, dude, it is going to be a badass freaking show on a Tuesday, Amazing, no girl. less. On a Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Dude, all the best shows happen during the week when people can't go, you know? Taco uh, Tuesday. <laughs> how many how many times have you been like, oh, I can't wait to watch this band next time they come? And it's like, disturbed on a Monday. And you're like, ah, I got to watch this. Ah, I'm I like, know. Can't go. I, that's, that's so weird oh, how it ends up working out like that. Uh, before we went to break, you said you dropped the news that Gorilla Theory has three new songs coming out. Tell me about that, man. Like, when can we expect these new songs to drop? All right. So we have a ton of new music. We had to pick three out of the ten new songs we have to record. We recorded three uh, in January. Uh, we, we, fit it, we, we, we patched them up, fixed them up through February and March. And we also played a show in February that we recorded a music video for one of them called Friday Funk. Now, uh, we actually don't know which Friday we're going to release it on yet even. I'll be honest. But this Friday, we will all know because stay tuned to Gorilla Theory's Facebook or website. We're going to drop the date. We're going to have a little preview of the video. And uh, we got plenty more where that came from. We got enough music to drop basically a song a month to the end of the year. We'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, we got, we'll have a new album out early next year. And uh, we can't wait to share this new music with you. We got a new guitar player. Uh, other than that, we're all original members, but we got a new guy on the shredding the, the strings, and uh, it's just a, it just really escalated the vibe. So I'm really excited about sharing the new tunes with you, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys just stay tuned and listen. So, and you got the new music. Yeah. You said you got a new music video coming out in May too, right? Yeah, we recorded a live music video at um, Old Rock House in uh, in, in mid February. We got some awesome shots of us just packing up. I went and picked up Phil from the airport, our singer, and uh, we just got a bunch of shots of that. So the music video concept is basically how our day went. We went to pick him up from the airport. We stopped by the studio and got some tracks going. We, we stopped by the Arch and enjoyed St. Louis a little bit, and then we headed to the old rock house, and you'll get to witness all that in the video we got coming. So, so it was just a yeah. Friday funk day, huh? It's literally a video about our Friday funk. That is exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly, man. And I'm not going to lie. The song is badass. It's so good. A little can't, bit we can't wait to hear it. We definitely can't I wait can't to hear wait it. I can't wait to share it with you. Yes. So, uh, everybody knows Tommy Crane is a massive hockey fan. I am obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we got to talk just, some hockey. We got to bring you on go. and definitely talk some hockey. It's a, it's a weird playoff situation without the blues being in in all honesty i'd feel definitely indifferent about that whole situation same you know so, the blues have only not made the postseason 10 times in over 50 years so i'm upset that we had to witness that this season but first time you know since what 2011 yeah, yeah there you go yeah so it's been there 12 you go. years so they they had like what a 28 year run in from the 80s into the <laughs> 90s into the early 2000s and and now we had a 12 year run you know, it was a good run, but now we got to restart. The Cardinals won the World Series, and the Blues didn't make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Wow, I didn't <laughs> think about that. True story. And the Cardinals yeah, dude, you know, why, you, know, you know why Cardinals only have 11 World Series, don't you? Why? Because fuck 12, you know? 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I'll, give, I'll give it to you. That's good. That was good. Even though it was a little Cardinal bashing. Hey, that are was we going to go a whole year without uh, St. Louis sports in the playoffs? I hope not. No, no, don't. Because the, no, no, no. the Battlehawks get screwed, and now the Blues miss the playoffs. Hey, the Cardinals M- are not looking good. Hey, MLS. Hey, hey, there's plenty Santa of time City left. Was there 120 games left? Yeah. You, you, he's not, Tommy's not wrong. So, looking at the playoff situation right now, I mean, I don't think anybody's really running away with any series. Carolina's got a two-game lead. It's three games to one over the Islanders. Bruins and Panthers, we probably – everybody kind of saw that one coming with Bruins. Oh, uh, please, Panthers, come win a couple, dude. I I cannot handle the Bruins just running the show like this. Oh, my God. I'm, Bruins I'm over are it. I'm over it. Stars beat the, the world. Bruins. Tied the series two games apiece, and then the Oilers tied with a five-four uh, win yesterday over the Kings to tie the series. Tonight we got the Lightning uh, down two games to one, and they're up two-one on the Leafs right now in the second. The Devils took to, took a one-nothing lead uh, into the second period. It's two-one Rangers in that series, and then Jets are down two games to one of the Knights, and then the Kraken are two games to one over the Avalanche. And we were talking during yeah. the break, and we're rooting for Minnesota. Me and Tommy are rooting for Minnesota. For I'm this. rooting for Minnesota, baby. A close second, I'll go cracking. I want someone in the West to win, though, for sure, man. The East can go to HU double hockey stick. <laughs> did I did I hear you right that Toronto's leading the series? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping. Is ROR the saving grace of Toronto? I don't know about that. Just It's <laughs> early. It's, only, it's the first round. And you got to look. Bro, they haven't the made it round. past the first round in how many years? It's close to about 30-something. All right. So. I want to say. Being up a game in it's pretty the first big. round is huge. Yeah, it is pretty my, big. And my favorite part about the Toronto Maple Leafs isn't even Ryan O'Reilly. It's actually just Austin Matthews' mustache. That thing is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> he does have like one of the better mustaches in the NHL, so you definitely got a point. But you say you're saying Minnesota, if not the Kraken, if you had to pick a third team. Oh yeah, oh, Vegas. No, no question. They've they, they've really uh, the first season. I felt like they robbed a bunch of teams of their players. And, like, people were so mad they took David Perron from us. Like, they, they, they had, like, the most epic lineup you ever heard in your life. They later took Petrangelo. I mean, dude, their team's been so epic for so many years. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals two season. years in a row and their lost, dude. Season. Their first freaking season, they made it to the Stanley Cup. You know who the last team was that started and made it to the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs their first two seasons in a row? And lost. They're called the St. Louis Blues. Yep, you are not wrong. <laughs> and they went three years in a row. Yeah. So, and you know what's funny is that first uh, that first, that game two win against Boston that was their first win in Stanley Cup franchise history because the three years that they went straight they got swept yep. out all they three times. Yeah, once was by yep. Boston. Yeah, actually, I think twice was by Boston. Yeah, two times with Boston, once with the Canadians. Yep. <laughs> Lost but, you, know, you made the comment about Vegas handpicking and robbing everybody. Uh, Seattle yeah. did the same thing, and it did last. Well, I'm not going to lie. They didn't. They well, actually the- changed the NHL rules a little bit to where they couldn't do exactly the same thing as the uh, Vegas Knights did. And the people they got from us, yeah, of course I wanted Schwartz and Dunn to play for us. But honestly, I didn't feel like is robbed is <laughs> – like, if you look at the lineup, the, their original first-year lineup, it is unbelievably incredible. Like, 
the names are even cool. Stone, uh, Pat, Patrelli, uh What goalie did they take? Uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury. The first year. Yeah. Like they're first just out year. there robbing teams, dude. Like. They, oh, it was I, it was a weird situ- it was a weird thing because you, if you think back you 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 remember when when we were talking we, again we were talking during the break and we were talking about Minnesota when they first came into the league along with the Thrashers both of those teams got the same opportunities and they got the the supplemental picks and they were able to pick up like teams that didn't protect anybody they both finished dead freaking last. They weren't able to pick. Old. They weren't able to do what Vegas did. Vegas got like a lot of like protection from the NHL, and they were able to do a lot of things that past expansion teams weren't able to do. And then they right. fixed it for the Kraken, and that's why the Kraken were basically able to pick up like I wouldn't say scrubs necessarily, but a lot of dudes right. that definitely weren't going to build a team. Well, I mean, they did miss out on some players because the Blues left Tarasenko unprotected on purpose. He was injured. Who wants to pick up an injured player? No one was going to take Tarasenko. Hey, you no know one who, was going to take Terry, especially with that salary. There's no way. Yeah. Thank there was, you, Rangers. Yeah, we got a first-round draft pick out of it. And yeah. uh, they finalized everything, and I think we, like, when the lottery happens next month, the best we have a three point five percent chance of getting the number one overall pick, which isn't great, but we have it moves up to I think it's at least like a forty or no, it's like a thirty percent chance of getting the number two overall, and it's like a forty percent chance to get the number three and higher. Yeah, you know what? I, I love hockey. I love it with all my heart, and I was watching them pick up all those draft picks and all those options, and. I had nothing to say except for hopefully they can build a better defense. <laughs> you know, sure. like, I don't know exactly when they're picking or what they're picking, but I hope they can fix this defense because we have a killer offense no matter what anybody says to me. And I love Verona, and I love the new picks that we got. And I thought that, you know, we had the potential all season to, to have a contending team. I don't know what happened. And with that being said, what do you guys think about O'Reilly? Where is he going next next season? What do I you think, think about coming, that? I think he's coming back. In all honesty, in I, think opinion, I think he might come back. Well, his house hasn't gone up for sale yet. True, Tarasenko's dead. Uh, Tarasenko's is selling for six point two million. If you got a, any spare, you get spare six point two million there, Tommy. If you want to live in uh, Ladue, yeah. I did just get a new job this month. Part of the reason I've been so busy: <laughs> a five bedroom, uh, twelve and a half bath. I think they got a little hockey rink in the basement. A bunch of they got a, a couple pools in case you want to choose a different one. Yeah, there's they, yeah. there's a massive that massive pool out back. Oh man, that I mean, y'all want to pitch in together? I mean, I, it would be the it would be a great spot for the new music video. Hey, there you go. There That's you what go, I'm talking Tommy. about. All right, maybe yeah, think about that. I'm into that. Maybe Cold I'll just sneak out to Cold Nelly. Bankers, you got to get a hold of them and see if you can rent it out for a day. It'd be like Nelly when he used to do all his music videos in his mansion. I was, <laughs> I was just going to say that. I even said Nelly, but I didn't want to rudely interrupt you guys. But, yes, <laughs> you know what? I think we could probably go out to Nelly's old mansion and throw a music video right now and no one would even say anything to us. I don't th- yeah, I think he, he would be down for it. I, I think I we th- might even just call him up and ask him if he wanted to join us. <laughs> <laughs> If I got if you got Nelly's number, definitely hit up Tommy Crane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please contact me if you got Nelly's number. <laughs> I, I met I met him once at, randomly at the Babylon in St. Charles. That's about it. Murphy Lee was there too, but I wasn't about to go be that weirdo that just like I love you guys. So you didn't want to fangirl all over him. I yeah, I'm not a big fangirl. You know, 
if I could go back in time, I met a ton of like celebrities and musicians and I've never been an autograph guy or anything, but, or, and you know, or a picture guy really, but looking back, if I could go back, I might've at least snapped a photo of us. So I don't just tell stories and people are like, yeah, right. Not hat. Didn't happen. <laughs> Cause then I could at least have some kind of proof. So go to Hollywood casino. He's there all the time. You know what? I'm yeah. about to go relive my whole life and I'll get him. <laughs> my buddy's uh my buddy's a dealer over there a card dealer and he says he sees him at least like once uh, once or twice a month almost he's at the crab yeah table. that's epic yeah that's crab epic. table or he's playing poker either one he's so. at the crab's table and his uh security goes and plays slot machines that's funny that's funny that you said that so when i was a kid my mom she said, well yeah my mom she's a dealer in ameristar and um it, it was you know it was saint it was a what is it a saint charles casino and then it was a station casino and like every now and then she would just randomly come home with like this there's always like this like notepad that like the um the pit bosses like carry around to like jot down notes and it would just be like red hall 16 thanks for loving the blues tommy and i have like a stack of these like random like little notepad pieces of paper with autographs on them because like she would just be sitting there and she'd be like Oh my God! You're Al McKinnis? Like that's amazing. Like I have uh, Pavel Dimitra. I got Al McKinnis. I got Brett Hall. Uh, like, and then I got I got Doug Weight. I got just some random just pieces of paper with an autograph like signed to me because my, they just like walked up to the blackjack table. So you mentioned probably like my favorite blue of all time in Pavel Dimitra. Oh, same dude. Same uh, when I was a kid, him and Pierre Turgeon, absolutely mind blowing. And you got, you got freaking Dan Kelly, or, uh, what's his name? Oh, not Dan Kelly. Uh, oh, what's the, oh, baby. Ken yeah. Wilson. Ken Wilson. Oh, Hey, we dude. actually have that as a liner too. uh, a Ken Wilson, uh, play calling a Pierre Turgeon winner for yeah. our show. That's so it. I'll play that dude, you, when we go out, you can never match that enthusiasm and that love for the game, man. I don't care. I mean, Oh, I don't care. Show me any announcer right now that, and then I'll show you that dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Ken, oh Wilson, God, Ken Wilson was the sound of my childhood on Channel Same. 11 watching Blues games in the late 90s, Same. early 2000s, and it was just, it was phenomenal times. Dude, same. 1997, there was this old man that lived just a few houses away from me. His name was Mr. Lane. Every day that he would be out there sweeping his driveway when I was going to school to get on the bus and when I was coming home off the bus, he'd be standing there and he'd always try to talk hockey and I would never stop and give him two seconds until this one time I did. And, uh, I don't know, luckily child, <laughs> child shit wasn't so weird then because uh, he's like invited me into his house. He showed me all this blues memorabilia. He had all these old games recorded and I just found myself like eight-year-old me like, going into this dude's Mr. Lane's house, like watching these old blues videos. And that's how I became so obsessed with the blues, man. This guy was just like absolutely amazing at like telling me how the game went, sharing all the rules with me. And I remember just going to school in like fourth grade, third grade, just telling my friends about the game and trying to explain to them what offsides is and stuff. And it was just like mind blowing for me. I got my first TV in my room. And just like you said, man, WB 11, (laughs) Blues, baby. Oh, my God. Just this mind-blowing, game-changing, life-changing. Oh, I'm forever a fan. 
Like, I can't thank that guy enough. I could not. I, when I got my first TV, it was my grandma's old, like, little box TV, so you had to change it with the dial on the uh, <laughs> yeah. on the TV oh, yeah. itself, kind click, of dating click, myself. Click, 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 and then you'd break the, you almost break the dial having to turn it. The only yeah. channel that ever came on, WB11. And it was, hey. it was, that was it. And I was able to watch blues games in my room and that was it. Yeah. And you got three studios on Sunday afternoon, baby. That's all you need. That's all I need. <laughs> the old WB, the Saturday morning WB cartoons too. Oh, so great, man. I love all that. Hey, you can go I'm into to, all that. You go out to Ellisville and, uh, see, uh, th- all the three stooges you want at Stooges bar 24 seven. Is that real? I mean, that's serious, dude. All they do is play yeah. Three Stooges from the time they open to the time they close. Really, I kind of, I kind of love that though, right? That's that. That's a unique niche kind of bar. <laughs> that's a, that's they, right. That's they right. Do karaoke out there too. And but do you have you to do, do it? You got to do it in Stooges? yeah. You got to do it in Three Stooges <laughs> voice. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right, all right. So we could follow Gorilla Theory on all the socials. I'm assuming, right? Heck yeah, you can. We got GorillaTheoryMusic.com. We got Gorilla Theory Facebook, Gorilla Theory Instagram, Gorilla Theory YouTube. And soon we're going to be bringing a new music video to that here in the next month. And I hope you guys check it out because it's going to be awesome. So, Well, we're going to play. Uh, we're going to uh, you're going to take off. We're going to continue on. We're going to play Run This uh, after we play this little Ken Wilson uh, liner to take you out let's, on. Let's go. Pierre Sergeant for life. Pablo Dimitri forever, man. I'm in. This is Beyond FM Music. Sergeant, shot. He's The best of everything STL.
Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. I say the future is ours. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?
It's Greek Fire, a real life Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. Uh, we're talking in the break. <laughs> Just a little wrestling news. Apparently, crazy story out of the day is the fact that CM Punk is visiting WWE. Surprisingly, and they just announced that their freaking new world heavyweight championship after the draft is going to look like a knockoff uh, champion. It's it's like the big gold belt with a WWE logo right in the middle, basically. It looks raised too, gaudy as crap. In all honesty, that's the best way to say it. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't look good. At it's all. I don't know whoever made that. <laughs> That choice basically needs to rethink some of their work. Uh, talking some Cardinal baseball, because that was what this break was intended to be. We want to thank Tommy also again for being on the show. We kind of hit on a little bit about Cardinal baseball earlier and the weird slide the Cardinals continue on, more or less. Things don't seem to be getting worse, but they don't seem to be getting better. It's just like a consistent mound of crap just continues on and there's no way it's like I don't know what what is there to do to be able to fix it when you can't really it's too early to call anybody up and it's too early to pull off any trades so it's just like we have to continue on like this and we're sitting four games only under 500 well I mean they haven't had a two game win we haven't won a series so far we haven't even freaking had a t- more than a two-game win streak to even start. Yeah, no, and they've already started co- doing call-ups and send-downs on pitchers. But, I mean, oh, and Pauly D made, came back yesterday as well, and he put his bat in the lineup, yeah, which did. actually looked really good. He went three for four with a home run and one RBI. Um, but here's the thing about that, because this is the same. Paul DeYoung does this kind of thing all the time. And I was talking about this yesterday uh, during kickball. It was basically – he will come up and he will tear the cover off the ball probably for the first week, week and a half. And then he'll be able to, he won't even be able to hit his weight for the next, for like the next, like almost two months after that. Yeah. But I think this time's different. I mean, uh, he preseason him and Ollie sat down and had conversations about, you know, pulling weight and he's on this is his last time. time, you know, if you don't produce, then it's time to ship out and do other things. I mean, the Cardinals the last few years have been struggling anyways. Um, the Cardinals have been on borrowed time the last few seasons. Yeah, and it's and now we're seeing it without Yachty and seeing I, Wainwright on his final season. Which he has yet to make his season debut. Right. And you know, I I saw a thing today where it says there's three former Cardinal players within the last five, six years that are playing overseas now to rebuild their career. Because for whatever reason, they were destroyed while in the Cardinals uniform. Um, but, I mean, there's also stuff going around like, you know, Paul Goldschmidt wearing a Pirates uniform because we're wasting the best of his career here in St. Louis right now. Um, I hate to say it, but the way they've been playing the last few seasons, Nolan Arnato, his career is getting wasted right now with the Cardinals because they're not contenders right now. I would say I've been saying it probably for about the past couple of weeks. This team at the current state it's at right now, they have a four-year window. 
to win a championship in the next four years. And if they don't, it's a travesty. With the lineup that they are throwing out there, and they're starting a four-game series against San Francisco. They're on a West Coast trip, so an 845 start for the Cardinals tonight. And then they got the Dodgers after that. So Dodgers are 8-13. and 13. They're five games under 500. They're struggling along just like us. There is no reason we should be able to take care of this situation and probably win at least three or four, if not completely sweep the series. There was no reason we didn't go down to Arizona. and or I'm sorry, when Arizona came here, we weren't blasting the ball off them. I mean, what, the, the one pitcher that we did beat up was Mad Bomb. Yeah, and one of their best, one of their best pitchers, (laughs) Madison Bumgarner, got released the day after he got lit up by the Cardinals bats. Newt Bar hitting hitting close to two eighty. Goalie's got uh, nine RBIs in the season. Nolan Gorman is the team leader in offensive category in every offensive category. He has got six home runs. He's hitting 331 with an OB, OBP of 397 and his slugging percentage is at 657 and he's got 22 RBIs. And I don't even think he's been playing every day. Uh, he's been pretty regular, I think. Cuz he was the D, he's the DH. Yeah, he's hitting yeah, you're right. He is hitting DH hitting in the four, he's hitting in the 3 spot and he's just tearing the cover off the ball. Wilson Contreras, he's kind of come on the last couple of games. Alec Burleson has yet to really put any pop in his bat. And it looks like I think Walker's got the day off today. So Burleson in right, O'Neal in left, and in center it's Newt Bar. So Donovan hitting it. Donovan's playing third tonight. So Nolan's got a night off. Nolan's got the night off. DeYoung in at shortstop playing in the eight spot. Tommy Edmond at nine. This team, when healthy, should be raking in all honesty. Jordan Montgomery on the bump tonight, two and two with a four eighty four ERA. He's been he he in two of in I want to say at least two of his starts, he's thrown at least six in six good innings with at least seven strikeouts. It's just he's getting zero run support to go along with it. And that's the same way with Miles Michaelis, but he's been walking too many people. Flaherty's been striking everybody out because he got nine strikeouts yesterday in that win. Uh, over Seattle. And the thing is, I mean, without run support, you're not going to do anything. But on the other hand, you know, going five, six innings as a starter is not, you can't do that. And you're not going to win games if your pitchers can't make it. And you're going to re- you're going to basically wear out your bullpen. I mean, at, what a quality starts, what, five and two-thirds? Uh, quality, no, quality start is six. Okay, so six innings. We got pit, most of our pitchers aren't even making quality starts at this point. They're 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 struggling to make a quality start. They're struggling to get through the first four and a half innings, and you can't have that because you're you get through the line. They can get through the lineup at least once. They can't do it a second time. There is also well, well actually, before I get to that part, so um, here you go. So you just made the point. You know, they make it through the lineup the first time. If they are on point, that is three innings. Yeah. If they are on point. If they are on point. That's three innings. And then the second time through, it's, I guess, their mechanics are getting figured out, and they're, or they're tipping their pitches or something, but they're just... But tipping pitches should be gone. Yeah. We're using that Dexcom, or not Dexcom, the um, Pitchcom. Just leaving too many hangers. The, I mean, 
there's no reason this team should be sitting in fourth place, which thankfully Cincinnati is worse off than us at this point. So they're seven and 15. So they're already starting to look mid season. They're already in their mid season form. Looking at like some, like trying to look at more of the pitching stats so far. There's no reason Jack Flaherty in through five games should only have two wins. Montgomery, the same way. Steven Matz hasn't got a win. Jake Woodford has one single win. What are we looking at for innings pitched? For for who? For Flaherty. Jack Flaherty is at 27.1. Okay, and that's out of four games? Yeah. He's got 10 earned runs. He's given three home runs, 19 walks versus 26 strikeouts. What's Miles at? Miles is at 25 and a third. So, I mean, they're roughly. They're roughly, and that's through five games. So, maybe kind of on right around five innings to start. Yeah. But, I mean, still, even at five innings to start, I mean, that's, we'll say five and two thirds. Well, six times four is 24. So, they're right around six innings. I love the fact that you're doing math on the show. So, I mean, they're, they're right <laughs> around their, you know, quality start spot, but. We need pitchers going deep. And we can't wait till Wayne Oak gets back healthy to finally go deep. And I think, I mean, if we do, okay, so Wayne Oak comes back. What's the, who gets moved out of the rotation? You think it's going to be Woodford or is it going to be, um, it's either going to be Steve Matz or Woodford. And it's going to be whoever has the worst record. And I think, it, well, the thing is, Matz is, he's, he's a lefty. You need that lefty starter. And it looks like Woodford's out. Yeah, so Woodford's out. Miles is, you know, he's not going anywhere. Flaherty is in a contract year, so we gotta, you, you gotta wonder. They're, look, they're not gonna do anything with Flaherty. They're not gonna boot him out of the lineup unless something completely uh, catastrophic goes wrong. He's been with the organization long enough in the majors. He's always put up numbers for us when he's, as long as he's healthy. And that's where the Cardinals are gonna be looking at. The thing that they're not going to be looking at is players that have not been with the organization that long and are not proving themselves on the mound right now. Helsley's still sitting at three saves, but I think he may have lost out to uh, Geo. Because Geo's Geo's Geo closed out that last one. I think that last blown save for Helsley kind of messed things up for him. So Here's the thing about closers. They can go. Closing the closing situation, you you can either be a re, you're a relieving pitcher. The only reason they put you in a closer is because you're better under pressure, and you have you know maybe that one or two special pitches that you have. But I mean anybody can look at Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks, great example. He started as a closer. He was great. Well, he was actually he came up as a pitcher, or he came up as a starter, and then got turned into the closer. And now, you know, you don't even know what he is anymore. He's kind of like in the middle, uh, middle section of like relief because he's no longer allowed to come into like any uh, stressful situations. Because it's almost sounding like Ali's basically saying he's got a case of the yips. You know who else said that? Rick Ankiel. No, someone even someone. Uh, more recent than Rick Ankiel. Oh, somebody more than recent than Rick Ankiel. You're making me think. I know Mike Timlin had it for uh, Boston there for a while. He couldn't make the throw over to first. 
Or was, no, it was, uh, it was John Lackey. Lackey. John had Lackey. walked the ball <laughs> it was, over. Yeah, it was John Lackey. John Lackey couldn't throw the ball over to first after a, long, after a while. He yeah. had the case of the yips with that. And they just knew to run on him because he yeah. couldn't make the throw. He couldn't make the throw. Carlos yeah. Martinez. He think he had a case of the yips? Dude, he, I think he did. And I. it wasn't nearly as severe as Rick's. But, I mean, you got to think, they tried him at every single position as a pitcher. Yeah. And... His arm just wasn't there anymore. I mean, is, he still had that. Fa- he still. Had but I think he also had a mental, uh, a mental breakdown for yeah. sure. And he was kind. Of, it was. I mean, that's what happens when you throw six well pitches in the same inning, a la Rick Vaughn from uh, Major <laughs> League, <laughs> just a bit outside. Oh well, okay. Well, uh, who was it? Uh, right after they came out with that uh, three batter rule, that uh, <laughs> walked up and like hit three or four batters. Oh, for I the Cardinals. I don't remember. I don't know. It was, I, who was it we were facing? We, I want to say it was the Nationals we were facing because I remember Bryce Harper got hit. Oh, yeah, it was Genesis. Yes, Cabrera. Yeah, Cabrera. And Came he's, in and he's just pitching for us. He's, pegged three players yeah, real he, quick. They could, he, he, well, I think he hit two of the three. He was, ha- he was like spot on before that game, and then out of nowhere he just starts beating guys. And one of them he ends up hitting in the face, and I think it was Bryce Harper. Yeah, and Bryce was like, hey, man, it's cool. <laughs> uh, so... The trending thing that's starting to trend on Twitter. And a lot of uh, Cardinal fans are... It's 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 dividing Cardinal fans as is. Um, Shohei Otani. I got to talk about it. I got to bring it up. The Shohei Otani talk. So... Okay. Here, here you a, go. Who do you replace in the lineup? What do you mean? Who do you replace? Who do you replace on the mound? Who do you? It's easy. Who you place replace on the mound? You replace uh, either Woodford, or depending on who you move, that's the question. So I saw this on Twitter earlier today. Uh, there's a. F- I'm going to see if I can find it. Go ahead and talk for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be great to have a double threat. First major double threat, actually the only major double threat since the Babe Ruth era to be in Major League Baseball. Um, The reason I say true double threat is Rick Ankiel was not a double threat. He had he was a great pitcher. Lost his pitching. He was a great hitter. Nobody knew that. Now he's trying to make a comeback, or at least he was last time I talked to him. Funny story about when he announced that he was going to try and come back to baseball. I asked Brad Thompson, I said, um, so are you going to come back? He said, no, I got lucky. That man's got talent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still trying to find this, but it was earlier today I saw this like trending on Twitter. from It's from DraftKings, and it's if you type in on Twitter, Shohei Otani, uh, and it was it's questioning where should Shohei Otani end up going. And, you know, there's some talk that if he did end up going with the Cardinals, again, uh, that four-year window kind of comes into play with what I was talking about. So you sign him to a four, maybe five-year deal, 
as a dual threat for a pitcher, which it's easy to replace him in the lineup, easy to replace him in the rotation. You could put him in as the uh, as the fourth or fifth starter. That'll help out the rotation for sure, and that'll give the bullpen a break every fifth or sixth or four or five days. You replace him in the lineup in the Cardinals lineup. Let's pull up the lineup for like give, give you an example for today's game, huh? With Newt, you replace him in the lineup with replace Newt. No, no. So you keep Newt in at three, or you keep Newt in the center or the leadoff spot. Goldie at the two, Gorman at three. Honestly, put uh, Gorman in at second base and possibly take out Tommy Edmond or Paul DeYoung. Shohei's an outfielder. He's going to be DHing if he's pitching. You're going to keep him as a DH. You don't want to put him in the outfield. Okay, but when he's not pitching, he's an outfielder. You keep he's I, a dual threat outfielder. So who are you putting in the out taking out of the outfield? Walker, Newt, no. or O'Neill? You okay, who's who out of those guys you keep we're keeping Walker, obviously, because Walker is supposed to be the future of this franchise. Tyler O'Neill is probably in the second he's got two years left on his current deal. I would say Dylan Carlson's at the end of the rope that they've kind of let him on. So Burleson's showing that he can take over and Newt can handle center field no problem. And Newt's also really good friends with so Shohei. So again, where's Shohei playing in the outfield on his day off? On his day off, I'd say you put him in at left. And Benj O'Neill? I'd probably... Bench the it, bat that's out in the outfield? I uh, Newt's still out there. You have Shohei, Newt, and Burleson. So you keep, or you take or you take him and put him in right field and you know Give Walker the day off. Give Walker the day off. But Walker's not And so what you're saying is you, you keep the interpreter in the outfield. Yeah. You keep <laughs> Newt Bar in center because Newt's kinda Newt him and Newt would be a great one two punch and probably in the four and five spot. It depends on who you I'm not give against up. it. It's just we and with the lineup and rotation we have the rotation I could find a spot for him. Rotation's easy. It's pu- putting him in spot in the lineup that is the main question. Where do you put him in the lineup? Who do you take out? But it also depends on who you're giving up to get him because you know damn well you're not going to be able to pull what you pulled with or Mo's not going to be able to pull off that same trade that he pulled off with uh, Colorado that he's going to pull off with Anaheim. No, but here's the other thing. You're taking Norman Gorman, the hottest bat for the Cardinals right now, out of the DH spot if you bring in Shohei. You take him out of the DH spot, and he plays in at second base. Okay, but here's the thing. When you're – all you have to worry about is batting. You're getting a better – they're men, more mentally prepared for the at bat than when they're having to do both field and at bat. But wouldn't you want to see him have that? Right now, I mean, I'm, I'm just happy he's got a bat going in the lineup. The rumor going around is that he his preference is St. Louis. One of his preferences is coming to St. Louis. Yeah, but it's because he just wants to do a salt and pepper shaker on national television again. With Newt Bar and possibly win a championship. That's if the Angels are going to be out of playoff contention come uh, the trade deadline. And, you know, let me see. Anaheim. The Angels are currently sitting at 11 and 11. So they're sitting at 500 baseball right now. 
the Trout's still playing, which is which is good. And Shohei is hitting two sixty six with five homers and thirteen RBIs. They're not out of playoff contention because it's you know it's still early. But then again, it's the Angels again, and that team really struggles year in and year out. You want to talk about a team that's got that's screwed up that window? Uh, looking at their division, they are currently sitting in third place. Sitting better than the Cardinals. Anybody? Well. Anybody that's not the Cincinnati Reds is. Yeah. Texas is 14 and 8. Houston is 12 and 11. Angels are 11 and 11. Seattle's 10 and 12. And Oakland's sitting at 4 and 18, which they're going to Oakland. They're going to Vegas next year. Yeah, they're going to Vegas in the next two, maybe three years. So. The Vegas Athletics. Yeah. Vegas. Actually, you know, that has a pretty good, nice ring to it. It does. I don't think they'll change. I doubt they'll change their team name because you got to remember this team came from uh, Kansas City and came from Philadelphia. Yeah, they were the Philadelphia A's way, way back in the day. The Kansas City A's and the Kansas City A's, and then the Oakland A's. And now they're probably going to go to Vegas and be the Vegas A's. I like that. The yeah. Vegas Athletics. The Vegas Athletics. The, the city that's getting every sports team, they're, or that's getting at least every major franchise. The only thing I think they're missing now is basketball and and uh, soccer. Because they got a hockey team, they got a base. They're going to have a baseball team, and they got a football team. Yeah, but they keep getting the scrum of the bucket. They really do when you really think about it. I mean, the only thing that they got they got, they got brand new the Knights, but they got a hand me down crap ass team with the Oakland Raiders, and now they're about to get one of the worst teams in all of baseball with a so payroll you, of like less than like seventy million dollars. So if you play in Oakland, you'll end up in Vegas. No matter where, what, or what you're doing. So I guess Golden State, the Warriors, they play in the Bay. So they might end up being the next team to move. Well, that's not Oakland. That's technically Oakland. Because at one State point, Warriors? yeah, they are technically out of Oakland. Oh, damn. <laughs> so Sorry, they, Steph. So is Steph Curry and the Oakland and the Golden State Warriors end up going down the hill. The down, Vegas Warriors. Yeah, they're going to be the Vegas Warriors for the next five years. Oh, crap. All right, let's take a break. Uh, let's play something from, oh, why not? Let's play something from the Wild and Free. It's next, it's I Don't Want to Feel on Beyond FM. I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel cold, but you're clouding up my mind. I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel alone when you're standing by my side. This morning I'd appreciate if you could text me when you get this message. It's been building up for quite some time and it's time to question if you care at all. I bet you'll play this voicemail every night and wish you could have done me right. Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel cold, but you're cloudy.
best of everything STL. All day, all night. We're coming at you 24 7, 365 days a year. Beyond FM.
Gravity Kills with Enough Beyond FM, the best of everything STL. You are listening to the Monday Night Show. Pat's in the studio. Doug's in the studio. Yep, yep. We're a little upset. So we covered, we talked a little bit about it. Um, the beginning of the show, the Battle Hawks season is over. How does this, let's, then we're going to try to analyze this, how a 7-3 and three team doesn't qualify for the playoffs, but a team that's finished out 4-6 and six does. It, it, so, it's, it's simple. It really is. So uh, <laughs> you're in two different conferences. They take the best two teams of both conferences. They go on. They play uh, playoffs. Then you're in. Um, plain and simple, just like most sports, you know, best two, two or three teams from both conferences win. Unfortunately, the Battle Hawks, you know, they fucked up. So this they, is how it gets explained. There was with teams having pretty much like identical records because we weren't the only seven and three team that was out there. Uh, apparently, this because the Sea Dragons they finished a seven and three, tied with the Battle Hawks for second place in the North Division. This is coming from STL Today. I'm reading this from STL Today that put this out earlier today. Uh, the top teams make the playoffs, but in Seattle, that moves them into the postseason tournament. The teams were tied to the first four tiebreakers, head-to-head matchups, best in win-loss percentage in division games, strength of victory in all games, and best combined ranking among division teams in points and scored in points allowed. But Seattle had the edge in the fifth tiebreaker. We had to go to five tiebreakers to be able to get this. So it's like going, it's having to look deep inside their statistics. And Seattle had the edge, best combined ranking among all teams in points scored and points allowed in all games. So the Battle Hawks finished out with that, and the Sea Dragons get it. And this in turn qualifies. The Renegades to make the playoffs at four and six. So it's going to be this coming Saturday. It's the Renegades versus the Roughnecks and the Sea Dragons against the Defenders on Sunday. I'm pretty sure this kind of opens things up to look like it's going to be the Defenders are going to end up walking all the way to the championship at nine and one. Yeah, they're going to be the championship team this year. Yeah, they've but pretty much like dog walked half the damn league, including it, St. Louis. Here's the thing the one team that they lost to. Battle Hawks destroyed this week. Um, Dropped fifty-eight points on on Orlando, but let's, which let's, is pretty damn good. In all let, honesty, let's, let's be honest here. The Battle Hawks knew coming into two weeks remaining into the season that if they did not beat Seattle, it was going to be a little a very good possibility they didn't make the playoffs, and they did lose to Seattle, and they didn't even come, show up to play. Yeah, they did not. They end up losing to Seattle and kind of put their hopes and faith into a lot of the tiebreakers, which um, they, in all honesty, what they needed, an easier victory would have been the Vipers to end up beating the Sea Dragons. That did not happen. The Sea Dragons won 28-9, and then it comes down to all those tiebreakers, which it's... It kind of sucks. It definitely sucks, and it's going to suck for the league. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to come down to the popularity, and it's going to come down to the attendance factor. Because you look at the attendance for all four teams that are making that are in the playoffs. So Arlington, Houston, Seattle, and DC. Those four teams they averaged close to forty eight thousand 
all together. Right. All together, while St. Louis averaged 38,000 by themselves. And they don't make the playoffs. And it's not, and it's again, it comes down to the fact that St. Louis had their chance and they kind of blew it and they screwed up and they could have qualified two weeks ago, didn't, and then it came down to hopes and prayers that it was going to work out in the final week. Fortunately, it does sound like AJ may be uh, done. He may be going back. You think he's he's got a chance? Well, he did, by what I heard, is post-game um, on the field. He kind of said thank you to the fans and said it was a goodbye kind of feel. It was a goodbye kind of feel. I don't know if he's going to go. His number, I mean, I'm not going to, not trying to be that guy. But let's don't be take on, my spot. Don't let's 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 be honest though. I mean, you look at AJ McCarron's numbers. Uh, that last game, he looked great. Twenty to thirty-five for four twenty, huh? And uh, six touchdowns. His best game is a battle hawk by far. Outside of that, he was kind of throwing. He wasn't throwing the greatest greatest balls, but he showed up that last game. And you got to wonder if it's because Orlando's one and nine. No or do you I, think he's got a chance to go back to the NFL? The only game I really saw that he didn't play in was the one when he returned from injury. Unfortunately, that was the one that knocked us out of the playoffs. But, I mean, other than that, he looked like a good, solid quarterback for the for the XFL. He did yeah, for the XFL, but do you think he's got the potential to go back to the NFL, though? Be a second or third string. He could be backing up Aaron Rodgers in the Jets now that Aaron Rodgers got traded. And let's let's be honest with you. This could be a goodbye for the season. Just because he goes and puts on a jersey again next season in the NFL don't mean we don't see him back in a Battlehawks jersey the next following, season. Next, yeah, the next season. Because let's be honest with you, the XFL is winter ball. Yeah. Well, I don't think – I don't – I mean – We'll see how a lot of these guys. I think a couple, like probably the most standout is the players that stood out pretty much all season. Brian Hill, for the running back for the Battlehawks, I think he stood out the most. And then if you talk to Rustin, they would say uh, the the Battlehawks punter is God's creation for football. I mean, as long as the Battlehawks ask him back, I don't see Austin going anywhere. Parole. Mm. And. The rest of the team, I don't. As long as, as long as we offer, they'll most of them will come back because they they enjoyed the the feeling that uh, came along with St. Louis. And you know, here's the thing: you you, you try bringing up attendance, and that the Battlehawks had thirty eight thousand on average, and the rest of the league, you know, was barely scratching fifty. But that didn't matter if they were ten and zero, or if they would have been zero and ten. We still would have filled that that stadium every single week, every single because week. football's back in town, right? So everyone out there saying, "Well, the Battlehawks had the best attendance record." No one gives a shit about attendance because guess what? We're St. Louis. We fill the stadium, no matter how bad our team is. True that. Look at the Blues. True that. <laughs> True that. Look at the Cardinals right now. We're filling stadiums, and. Uh... They're playing in San Francisco. That game just got underway. 
looking ahead this coming Saturday for the MLS, the St. Louis SC is in Portland, so prepare for another late freaking start. That's going to be, yeah, uh, they are sitting... Tied for first right now. Tied for first, trying to pull up With the stats and pull up the 19 table. 19 points. Yeah. They, uh, uh, them and Seattle have identical records right now. 6-1 and 2. So the one six so, two and one. Well, they got it labeled six one and two. Oh, so. it's six wins, two losses, one draw. Yeah, for the uh, Seattle Sounders, Seattle and, Sounders, and St. Louis SC. Well, I'm doing pretty good with these names already. I know. <laughs> now, now, if I start asking you other other teams, uh, New England uh, Steamers. No, the Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, is it Kansas City Fire or Thunder? No, the Kansas. It's Sporting Kansas City. Oh, see, if you're not in first, and they if claim, you're not last, if you're last place, I'm not trying to remember your they, name. And they have yet to win a game this year. Sporting KC is yet to win a game this year, and they were claiming at the start of the year to be the soccer uh, soccer genesis in the, in the world of soccer revolves around Sporting Kansas City, and they are just absolutely dog crap right now. Well, duh, because. Uh, the mecca of sports opened up this year, St. Louis. Yes, and the Galaxy are one and three. I know that team. I know that team. That's and Orlando. The, no, that's L.A. The L.A. Galaxy. Uh, Orlando. That Orlando. Orlando City SC, just like us. So, so guys, City. for so anybody out there that's a soccer fanatic, uh, if you want to come on the show and teach us these names. Yes, we would appreciate hey. it. We definitely need some soccer education. We're still learning. As somebody that used to play soccer back in the day, both of us, I played uh, through the city leagues down in, like, in Fenton and pretty much that. Well, I was area. through the CYC, but guess yeah. what? It was just, honestly, for me, it was just a conditioning thing. Same. And until I got started playing football and whatnot. But, yeah, I Knew all about it. I was a fan of uh, the Galaxy growing up, and then just kind of quit watching after after quit paying attention more or less. I said the Galaxy has that uh, one dude that's got the real long, medium long hair, like Shumway. He has the main bun. Oh, I can't think. I don't well, they, know his well, name. They used to have David Beckham, and they used to have Colby Jones. That was the only; those are the only players I ever remember. Colby Jones was playing for the LA Galaxy, and that's the only dude I remember during the during that. Daryl Duran, yeah. Team he USA. Was, <laughs> he was playing for the ambush, though. Let's be honest. Hey, but he was Team USA. True. That is very true. All right. I think we're going to get out just a little nah, bit. No, we're gonna not. No, we're not. No? No. So we're going to do a little bit of mental health check real quick. Oh, I hate to add this. I hate to do this on a, in the show on a sad note, but I just got confirmation of another veteran committing suicide in St. Louis. Guys, I am not joking about this. I stress constantly all the fucking time. If you need help, reach out. I don't give a shit what time of the day it is. Pat can tell you my phone is always on. I have a phone just for this shit. That I have left the show to take care of. I work 24-7 dealing with this shit. 
if you need help, reach out. Since we're doing a mental health check, I um, got a buddy that's... I'm actually talking to somebody right now about that. Um, Not going to name names, not putting his business out there. Trying to schedule somebody for the show and... Just letting them know I'm there for them. Just check on your people. Definitely check on your people, please. This past Saturday... It was hard for me. I mean, anytime I deal with mental health and suicide awareness for military and veterans, it's hard. But this past Saturday, a friend of mine's parents that I have not seen since her funeral, when we were seniors in high school, showed up to our event. And the one thing that she, all she kept doing was giving me a hug and thanking me because here I am continuing the fight for those that have lost their fight, for the families that have fought and fought to have their voices heard and have given up because there's no one listening. That's what we're here for. That's what the Corporal Jacob Mann Foundation's here for. We are here to continue the fight for those who have lost. We are here to fight for the families that have have lost someone. We're losing twenty two veterans a day. That is ridiculous. And what sucks even more is when I'm here in St. Louis running this foundation working my ass off around the clock with my full-time job, go, finally just graduated, going to school full-time, and running this foundation full-time, and it's a slap in the face when somebody's here in St. Louis, and it's all over social media, it's all over everywhere, it's on this radio station every single week, and we're still losing people right here in my own backyard. On that note, we're going to get out of here for the night. We'll talk to you guys next week.